Elf on a Shelf, written by Kylie Gable and published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Modern surveillance technology has come a long way. There was a time when you needed a huge camera to get black and white security footage that was completely missing any sound at all. Now you can put a nanny cam onto a teddy bear or a small plastic elf doll that sits harmlessly on a shelf of a bedroom in a fraternity house. Tom could never really understand how the Zeta girls were able to know when he wasn't following their instructions to the letter, but as he sat at his desk, terrified that his roommate would enter, he was carefully applying eyeliner. Those sorority girls required him to practice his makeup every day, and somehow they always knew when he had blown it off just like they knew when he wasn't wearing his heels in the bedroom to practice his girlish walk. He didn't want to face another one of their humiliating punishments, so he had no choice to do what they wanted, even if he had no idea how they would possibly know. Meanwhile, the elf on the shelf kept watching. After all, those elves know when a sissy has been good and when she's been naughty, too. Hey everybody, this is Kylie Gable, and welcome to the Feminization Boudoir Podcast. Um, this week is a little bit nuts. Um, I find myself very short on material, but fortunately, Mistress DJ stepped up and recorded three audios off of the December issue of Forced Feminization Quarterly. So, two of them are Christmas-themed, and the third one is tangentially Christmas-themed, but, um, I think you'll enjoy all three of these audios. The first one was so short, I thought it made a nice open for the show. And um, this one, the longest one, is actually the the one that really isn't Christmas-themed, although it does kind of start with a holiday party. The holidays has us kind of all off our game a little bit and trying to scramble to get things done. And uh, Shayla has had the flu and just a horrible voice, and so she didn't want to record. And uh, I need to get some new audio to Raina. Jen has one that I think she's finished, but she needs to edit, and I'll get some stuff to her as well. So, audios are going to be, you know, coming in, but this week I just kind of found myself a little short. Anyway, Force Femme Quarterly, I do, obviously, four times a year, and they're short stories. And um, a lot of times done from a female point of view, partly because I like having some more shorter audios. But, um... This one is a story about two sisters who have a very lucrative side hustle um, enslaving sissies. So, without further ado, from Forced Femme Quarterly number six, it is Sissified into Slavery. Sissified into Slavery, written by Kylie Gable and published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. They were the perfect pair for this kind of work, and they had been since they were in high school together. Despite being sisters, they didn't look enough alike to tip anybody off. Laura was the brains behind the thing. She schemed and plotted with the best of them. Megan was the seductress. She had a natural beauty and charm that men couldn't resist. If for some reason things got crazy, both women knew how to handle themselves. They first got a taste of the power that they could have over guys junior year of high school, when Andy Kotcher was bullying and harassing Laura. He soon regretted it when he found himself bound and gagged, restrained to a pole in the boys' locker room, completely dressed in a cheerleader uniform with full makeup. A lot of girls could have probably pulled off that revenge, 
but not many could have gotten him to agree to continue dressing up and sending them pictures to avoid a repeat occurrence in the locker room. When they got to college, they discovered how lucrative their talents were among people who liked to wager on games. A Friday night date with Megan would assure that the star quarterback would be nowhere to be found come Saturday. Furthermore, a modeling session with plenty of photos meant players just wanted to put the incident behind them and not have those pictures find their way into an NFL team's office. It was certainly one way to graduate college without a lot of student loan debt. They loved to work the Christmas parties. It was one of the most lucrative times of the year. Guys would be drunk and vulnerable, and since Laura had a job waitressing at the Tremont Hotel, she had a great chance to scope out targets for their little schemes. Laura would make her way around the party, looking for a guy with just the perfect qualities they needed. It was important that if the guy didn't look like he'd make a convincing woman, that he was close enough that it could be rectified with a few months of intense training. They didn't want to take a guy with a family because it wasn't fair to a wife or to any children, and because families would bring unwanted attention, and that could upset their little operation. Finally, there were frequently dealing with businessmen who could be a bit alpha, but they really were looking for guys that could be easily cowed with the right motivation. It's hard to overemphasize just how powerful it was to see a guy nursing a drink and talking to the cute bartender about how lonely he was to have the hottest girl in the whole bar make a beeline right for him and begin hitting on him. Laura was clever enough to let her sister know just what the guy was looking for before she entered the party. If the guy wanted an old-fashioned girl, Megan came in acting the part. If he wanted a girl who just wanted to drink beer and watch sports with him, the first thing Megan would ask for would be for Laura to put on the game. If he wanted a woman who still had her figure, in walked Megan in a sparkly red form-fitting dress, walking like smoke, and drawing the attention of every guy in the place. Is this seat taken? asked Megan as she saddled up to her latest conquest. No, suit yourself, said the young advertising executive, barely lifting his head from his bourbon. What can I get you? asked Laura in her role as a bartender. Give me a sidecar, instructed Megan. Wow, we don't get a lot of requests for those in here, said Laura. It's kind of an old-fashioned drink, replied Megan. That's a coincidence. Ryan here was just telling me he's looking for an old-fashioned girl, explained Laura. What's in one of those? asked Ryan suddenly, realizing the girl next to him was the hottest woman he'd seen in months. Cognac, Cointreau, and lemon juice, replied Megan. Oh, it's a fruity drink, said Ryan, disappointed. With a kick like a mule, interjected Laura. You're not one of those guys that's worried about his drink not being manly enough. No, I guess not, replied Ryan, tossing down a $20 bill. Tell you what, get us two of them. Now you're talking, said Laura. Over the next hour or so, Megan proved herself to be everything Ryan was looking for in a woman, and she appeared to be totally into him as well. Ryan wasn't sloppy drunk, but he was definitely more open to suggestion. Getting a drunk guy to go up to her room with her was never a challenge for Megan. The great thing about the Tremont was that the 18th floor was built for VIPs back in the 1950s. Most people didn't know this, but the floor and the walls were heavily soundproofed to allow important guests extra privacy. Megan knew enough to run a room on that particular floor, as the added privacy was important to their plans, too. Twice, Megan had been able to talk guys into letting her make them over by claiming to be a huge fan of drag race, but that wasn't ideal. Nothing broke a man's spirit like when he had no choice but to acquiesce to a makeover. 
Also, a guy who didn't have a problem agreeing to letting a strange woman give him a makeover was probably not the type to be easily blackmailed by a few pictures of him in a dress. Megan decided on how to handle each guy on a case-by-case basis. Chloroform was always in her large purse, and it had been very useful on more than one occasion. She'd gotten physical with a few guys, but that had its own problems. Tonight, Megan would use her old standby and attempt to seduce Ryan into handcuffs with the promise of wild and kinky sex. What are you doing, asked Ryan as she slapped a cuff on his right wrist. Don't you worry about it, cooed Megan. I'm in charge tonight. This move worked as it usually did, and she was quickly up the hallway to her objective. Unfortunately, the position that worked best for her purpose was to have Ryan's hands cuffed behind him, which was an absolutely horrible position for sex. No sooner had Megan wrenched his right arm up behind his back than Ryan began to fight back. She held onto his torso with her knees, like she was riding a bucking bronco. She tried to keep his face pushed down into the pillow to shut Ryan up, while at the same time using her Brazilian jiu-jitsu training to pin his other arm up behind his back. Megan was a veteran at this sort of thing, and she didn't panic. Soon, Ryan was exhausted, and she was able to successfully handcuff his wrists together behind his back. Megan smiled to herself, but she had no time to celebrate her victory. She reached for her bag and retrieved a five-inch-long black rubber cock with straps, which she used to silence Ryan. It not only served the purpose of keeping him quiet, but Megan knew from experience the humiliation of a penis gag was an important first step in breaking a man. Once Ryan was cuffed and gagged, Megan went into her bag and pulled out a coil of rope. She ran rope lightly around his thighs and knees, his upper arms, and soon had him wrapped up so tightly in her little cocoon that he could barely move a muscle. Megan looked down with pride at her handiwork. She picked up the remote control absent-mindedly from the nightstand. She sat on the bed and used Ryan for a footrest while she waited for her sister. We're just waiting for Laura to get off work, said Megan. It won't be that bad. Ryan shook, desperately trying to get loose, but failing, he groaned into his gag. Relax, you're not going anywhere. I know what I'm doing, and besides, those are police-grade steel cuffs. He shook once more in frustration, more than in any crazy hopes of escape. Ah, you look so cute with a dick in your mouth. I'm sure it'll be the first of many. When Laura walked into the room, Ryan shot daggers at her with his eyes. She had set him up when he trusted her with this tale of Christmas misery. I trust he didn't give you any trouble, asked Laura. No, he didn't know what hit him. He was easy, replied Megan. Well, the real tough work is ahead. Do you have everything? Yeah, let's get him ready and we'll take him over to the apartment. From his spot on top of the bed, Ryan could see the girls bringing in a half dozen large white hotel laundry bags, but he had no idea what they were for, nor could he intervene to prevent it. Might as well take him into the bathroom and start with body hair, suggested Laura. Yeah, get the annoying parts out of the way first, agreed Megan. You won't give us any trouble now, will you, Ryan? Laura asked, running her hand underneath his chin so sensuously, it's simultaneously so menacing. Even if he had wanted to respond, Megan had rendered him incapable with that ridiculous gag they'd forced between his teeth. No, Ryan won't give us any trouble. He's a man of intellect, and he can surely see his position. There's no reason to get hurt unnecessarily when he knows that we will simply do as we wish anyway, stated Megan. Both Laura and Megan changed into clothing better suited for the task at hand, and then they dragged their victim into the hotel bathroom, where they worked as a team to cut his clothes off his body. He was now completely naked. 
Laura entered the shower first, carrying a large metal bucket. She looked amazing in the deep red swimsuit that framed her athletic figure. Her now raven hair was tied back in a ponytail. He hadn't noticed just how ample her breasts looked in her waitress uniform, but there was no doubt now. In the bucket, he could see various shaving supplies. The whole time, she maintained intense eye contact with her victim. She handed Megan a pair of gloves, and together they began to lather up his body in a sweet-smelling pink lotion. In another setting, this would have been quite an enjoyable experience for Ryan, but all he felt now was intense fear and extreme embarrassment. Had he been that easy to subdue? Would he ever be heard from again? He had his doubts, but determined to keep up a brave front and not allow his captors to see his true emotions, he rattled his bonds defiantly. The lotion was beginning to burn. You will cooperate, Brian. It's up to you whether you will do so willingly or not, announced Laura with a smirk. She deftly reached between his legs and squeezed until he was wincing and throwing his head back in agony. Nod your head when you're willing to cooperate, she demanded, giving one final firm squeeze. He nodded reluctantly at first, but then with more and more vigor until she finally ended her assault. Megan circled Ryan, eyeing him like a sculptor inspecting a lump of clay before transforming it into a work of art. That should be long enough, she said, turning on the shower. The water felt warm and relaxing, almost pleasant as he hit his skin. It swept away the remains of the pink lotion, taking with it all of Ryan's body hair. He never had that much of it to begin with, but the strong depilatory removed even the small evidence of manhood. He moaned, shaking his head from side to side with anguish. The women's hands were gentle as they gripped his naked body and used cheap plastic razors and soothing aloe vera shaving cream to remove any remaining splotches of hair. Megan reached into the bucket and pulled out a bottle of very feminine-smelling lavender body wash, which she then used to bathe Ryan. A femininely floral shampoo completed the shower arrangements. The women patted their prize dry with pink fluffy towels, marveling at his now hairless body. What size did you want for him? asked Megan, looking through a plastic crate filled with breast forms. Oh, he likes big hooters. I would hate for him to be savile with anything less than C-cups, replied Laura. C-cup it is, agreed Megan, smiling as she dug out two teardrop-shaped silicone forms from the drawer and a sinister-looking bottle, which she handed to her partner. If you would do the honors, please. This is special surgical adhesive. It's really fucking strong, remarked Laura, applying a liberal coating of the syrupy liquid to his smooth shaven chest and allowing it to set. She very carefully held them up to his chest, aligning them, before pressing them firmly onto him. The glue felt cold on Ryan's chest. It'll come off in four to six weeks, but until then, you've got a very nice rack, Ryan. Ryan was terrified at the mention of four to six weeks. This wasn't a one-night thing at all. He threw his head back and winced. How would he give a board meeting or speak to the press with these huge things on his chest? When the glue had set, Megan released her hands, and he immediately felt the weight of the foreign objects he was now sporting. It was an unpleasant feeling, and he tried to shake them off, but he only succeeded in making his new boobs jiggle, much to the delight of the girls who tittered at his frustrating display. He loved watching a girl's boobs jiggle. That's actually one of the things that drew him to Megan in the first place. He didn't want guys looking at him like that. That's a lot of weight for your poor little titties to hold, Ryan. You'll need some support. If you beg me really nicely, I might put a bra on you, said Laura, removing his gag. Beg me. 
fuck you, was his angry reply when the faux penis was removed from his mouth. But Laura just snickered at his outburst. He tried to tell her, you can't do the... But was immediately cut off by the penis gag being returned to his mouth and resecured. You didn't really think he'd be ready yet, did you? asked Megan. I hoped, replied Laura. Okay, hair and makeup time now, you living doll, you, smiled Megan. Do you want to shave his head and attach one of those wigs with the adhesive? asked Laura. No, I could, but I think we can get better results with extensions. I'll use the adhesive and make sure you can't take them off, but I think that'll look much more realistic, explained Megan. Well, this is your area of expertise. I guess I'll sit back and enjoy the show, agreed Laura. Untying Ryan's feet and unlocking his arms, Megan ordered him to sit in front of the vanity on a deep red leather professional-style salon chair that had been specially fitted with restraints to strap in any reluctant victims. Moving into position in the bathroom was always one of the first things they did when they rented a new hotel room because it was such a pain, but it was totally worth it. Sit in the sissy chair and let Auntie Megan make you look all pretty, she taunted, motioning towards the vanity. Laura could see Ryan contemplating making a move, but she grabbed him and forced him into the chair. Please let me go, he pleaded. I'm not even holding you anymore, said Laura, as she buckled the strap across Ryan's chest, completing the restraints. Megan always believed that if something was worth doing, it was worth doing right. This included putting makeup on their victims. She started with a moisturizing foundation. This was followed by a concealer that any near 30-year-old executive needs to take care of all their under-eye circles and blemishes. A cream blush was used on Ryan instead of a powder because Megan thought it gave sissies the appearance of a healthy glow-from-within look. After carefully blending three colors of eyeshadow, enhancing his deep green eyes with dark black eyeliner, and applying long, glamorous false eyelashes with the same adhesive they used on his breasts, Megan lined his lips with dark red before filling in with a bright cherry red lipstick. Megan began to hold extensions up to Ryan's hair in order to match his chestnut hair color. When she was satisfied, she began to attach the faux hair to his head, leaving Ryan with a very attractive hairstyle. It was a very tedious and time-intensive job that took Megan nearly 90 minutes to complete, but when finished, she had styled Ryan's hair into a gorgeous shoulder-length round brush cut that framed his face perfectly to feminize his more masculine features and to give him a sexy appearance. Ryan couldn't believe what he saw, looking back into a mirror and his anger was blatantly obvious on his face. Ah, is widow Wyub gonna cry, taunted Laura. Don't be so sad, Ryan. We both saw what you're packing in your panties. You really weren't much of a man to begin with, added Megan. If you let me go, I'll make it very worth your while, he pleaded. Don't make us gag you again, responded Laura, looking up from the nails she was working on. An hour later, the advertising executive found himself the owner of a full set of one-inch long, bright red nails. Each of the fingers had a small heart in the middle except for the thumbs, which had a penis on them. The right thumb had a white dick, while the left thumb had a black dick. Ryan looked down in shame. There had to be some way to stop these girls from what they were doing. It's your turn now, Laura. Ryan was completely unprepared for what happened next. Laura reached over and grabbed his dick. She shoved a pink steel cage on it and locked it in place. If you ever want to use that again, you're going to cooperate, said Laura. It also has a wonderful shocking feature, added Megan, holding up the small remote and pressing a red button. Ryan's whole body rocked as the electric shock had left his dick in agony he hadn't felt before. That's a three. It goes to twelve.
Sorry, said Laura, freeing Ryan from the straps, but you need to be completely untied to get dressed, and we couldn't do that without having a pretty good reason for you to behave. Wait, implored Ryan, but Megan just waved the remote until he stopped. Laura ignored Ryan's protest and went over to his mother's underwear drawer, looking for just the right things. I know you'd rather have your own clothes, but the sooner you accept that ship is sailed, the better. In the meantime, I have some lovely things for you, said Laura, tossing Ryan a black said Laura, tossing Ryan a black lace bra and panty set. Here, put these on. Please don't make me, Laura, pleaded Ryan. First of all, that's Mistress Laura and Mistress Megan's sissy. Secondly, we're being very lenient because this is your first day, but refusing me like that could get you a very severe punishment, so think very carefully about what you're going to say to us next. I'm sorry, Mistress Laura, I'd rather not do this, but if you insist, I will. Should I give him another shock? asked Megan. Let's see if he's a fast learner. Now put on that brawn panties like a good girl, demanded Laura. Ryan stepped into the panties, relieved to be covering up his nakedness, even if it did mean the further humiliation of wearing panties. The bra was another matter. Ryan fumbled around with it for a few minutes before Laura sighed and put it on him herself. He had to admit that the support did feel better than wearing those large breast forms without a bra. Thank you, Mistress Laura. You're welcome, sissy. You're going to have to learn to do this for yourself very soon. Next, Laura helped Ryan into his first pair of stockings. She thought of having him do it himself, but he was so clumsy she didn't think the gossamer stockings would survive the process. Laura looked through the clothes she had brought and decided that the red lacy mini dress with long sleeves was perfect. The matching four-inch heels would take some getting used to, but the locking ankle straps made sure he would have plenty of time to learn them. Ryan looked in the mirror, slack-jawed. He couldn't believe how he looked and brought his hand up to his face as if to check if it was a dream. You're beautiful, princess, said Megan. The girls recuffed Ryan's hands behind him and tied his legs, ankles, and arms just to make sure he was totally helpless before they put the penis gag back and brought one of the large white laundry bags over his head. Despite his struggles, he was soon bagged and tossed into the hotel laundry cart. The remaining white bags were thrown on top of him and the girls wheeled him down the hallway. Soon, he'd be at their nearby apartment with the other three recent captures. It would take a lot of hard work, but they had no doubt that he'd be ready for their next sissy auction in two months. Megan and Laurel will return to the pages of this very periodical in March as we look in on sissy training at their luxury apartment. Are there any other characters who made an all-too-brief one-time visit you'd like to see again? So this is a little bit unusual. The reason I started this podcast was to kind of promote my own stories and to keep some of my older stories um, in the consciousness to get people aware of them and interested in uh, buying them, either reading them or listening to them. And this time I really don't have a whole lot to sell. I will put up this uh, recent, the story you just heard from uh, Mistress DJ, Sissified into Slavery, on Clips for Sale. But I'm not going to put up the Christmas uh, stuff because I think I'm going to save it for next Christmas. Frankly, it'll uh, do better around Christmas season than it will do in January. So, however, um, we really appreciate your support, especially this time of year. Christmas bills are coming. I don't have to tell you that. And, um, you know, I'm looking at my numbers for the end of the year. and They're okay, but I don't think I'm going to quite hit my goal for the year. So... Any little, you know, business you can throw my way is really appreciated. 
All right, so here is our last story of the night. It is again Mistress DJ, and this one is called The Christmas Party. Christmas Party, written by Kylie Gable and published by Candy Apple Press. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Christmas and New Year's can be so much fun, but they can also be such a bother. With tradition comes obligations, and obligations have a way of eating into fun. That's why for my holiday parties, I always select four sissies to have the honor of preparing the party, serving my guests, and cleaning up afterwards. It's really an honor to be picked, but then again, it's most definitely an obligation for the lucky four. There's a special uniform provided for the lucky sissies. I was actually inspired by an old music video from the 80s called Addicted to Love. It's important for servant sissies to be both festive and easily identifiable. So they're all dressed in little red lace dresses that were somewhat transparent and only came to mid-thigh. Sheer black stockings and five-inch heels. They look like clones with their heavily made-up eyes and possibly red lips and nails. Of course, the crowning touch is a Santa hat. Of course, at one of my parties, there are so many people in the lifestyle that it's not lost on too many of the guests that these are sissies and they're there for whatever pleasures they can provide to any of my guests. Now, not all these guests need to be sexual or even difficult. The sissies are responsible for planning the party. If there's catering, they need to book the caterers and set the menu. If not, they're the ones who will be preparing all the food. Last year, the four sissies were Kayla, Victoria, Cindy, and Ariana. The first three have done this before, but this was Ariana's first year as a sissy servant. She had been my co-worker originally, but you know the type. Those supposed alpha males who can't keep their thing in their pants or keep their hands off of an attractive woman, no matter how many times she tells them to shove off. Ariana had to be put in her place, and I took great joy in doing so. But scarcely eight months later, her worldview had changed 180 degrees, and she proved herself to be very adept at being a sissy. She took to it almost immediately, and I could see some of the other girls were starting to get a little jealous of her looks. Still... There was a lot more to being a sissy servant than looking good in a little tight dress. A sissy needs to be a faithful servant to her mistress, a charming hostess for her mistress's friends, and a constant source of titillation and entertainment for everybody at the party. As soon as the guests arrive, a cheerful sissy grabs her coat and they are escorted into the party. Before I even greet them, they're given whatever they wish to drink and given a chance to try one of the many hors d'oeuvres that the sissies have prepared. They're constantly on their feet running to keep my guests happy and to keep the party festive. Usually the sissies will then provide some entertainment. If you've ever seen Mean Girls, you know the Jingle Bell Rock scene. That's easy enough for four talented sissies to pull off, and of course have them singing Christmas carols for the party is usually a hit. Last year, the sissy surprised me though. It turns out that in addition to have a very respectable feminine speaking voice, Ariana could sing well enough to be a lead singer for some bar band. With other sissies providing backing vocals, she soloed Santa Baby. Of course, my dominant women friends loved it. They knew just how humiliating performing such a number would be for a former wannabe alpha male like Ariana, but my male friends were equally enraptured. Her performance was incredibly sexy. I took very careful note of which of the guys in the audience seemed to enjoy it the most. There was Pete, who had his own investment firm. My friend David is a very flamboyant bisexual artist who has never had trouble betting anybody he wanted of either gender. Finally, Andy, 
probably seemed a little blue-collar for my friends, but he was a charmer with rugged good looks and a ten-inch cock that got quite a workout with my friends. I decided then and there that one of them would get a chance to enjoy Ariana's charms for that night. The one thing at the party that I plan is sissy games. Having them perform for the crowd is just an expected part of my parties. Of course, the candy cane licking contest is very suggestive. Watching all the sissies trying to lick up and down a candy cane as suggestively as possible while their bright red lipstick and nails perfectly matched the red stripes on the candy canes. It felt so wicked. The look on the sissy's face when I pointed out to them that they were all standing under the mistletoe was priceless. Of course, we had to make them kiss every other sissy, and these were not just little pecks on the cheek, but passionate, open-mouthed kisses that drew many hoots and hollers from all of the guests. You know, she's quite a kisser, I said, turning to Pete. Who is? he said, feigning ignorance. Don't be coy with me, Peter. I can see the way you're looking at my sissy, Ariana. Where did she come from? he asked. Where do any of my sissies come from? I replied. She used to be my co-worker. And you realized you were working with a budding sissy? Of course not, Pete, I said. She tried to fight me tooth and nail. How did that go? Mm, I think you can see for yourself. Don't ask silly questions. It's beneath you. However, if you're interested, she can be had, I told him. She likes men now? Let's just say she likes keeping me happy, I replied. Always a good idea, he replied. I smiled at him. I don't think he was used to women like me who had our own money and didn't worship him and fall all over themselves for a chance to join him in intimate conversation. I walked into the first floor bathroom where all the sissies were fixing their makeup after their impromptu session under the mistletoe. Good job, ladies, I said as I entered. The little dears are always so hungry for the least bit of praise. I saw Ariana carefully blotting her lipstick and smiled. Ariana, you've done so well. I think you've made one of my friends very happy. I have? she asked. Her voice was quivering, but it made her sound even more coquettish. You have indeed. His name is Pete, and he's been very successful in business. I want you to pay him extra attention tonight. Oh, yes, mistress. Good, I replied. He's a very powerful man, and you'll make me very happy if you do a good job. Of course, the rest of the party was a hit as well. The sissies had a lot of work to do that evening, and Ariana did her part, but it filled me with such pride to look over on my love seat and see her sitting on Pete's lap. Of course, Ariana was squirming uncomfortably, but I knew she didn't want to disappoint him or me. It was a great Christmas, and it would surely be an even better New Year. Well, that's it for our post-Christmas Christmas party. I hope you enjoyed our audios this week, and hopefully we'll have something a little more normal next week. Um... I really appreciate your support this year. 2021 has been a real tough year in a lot of ways. Um, But fortunately, this podcast has never been one of them for me. This has always been a joy to do. And that's partly because I love getting the feedback I get from you. So please keep the feedback coming. Keep the reviews coming. Of course, keep the purchases coming. And I'll keep the audios coming. I'll be here next week. And I'll be here next year. And I hope you will be too. Bye-bye.